right, everybody. All right, everybody. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to Carbonite Bounty BS, the show where we, the nerds, are going to talk about Disney, uh, Disney Plus' series, The Mandalorian. And I'm Hitch. I'm DP. I'm, I'm Trenton. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the more people you add to the broadcast, the harder it, it is to get that out. right, for It'll sure. So we're, yeah. we're ironing out the kinks today. Well, welcome, everybody, to the show uh, where we talk about you know, your favorite streaming show uh, with the most adorable character that's been created by uh, Disney Entity since Mickey Mouse. Before we get into, uh, you know, brass tacks here, before we jump into the fun, fun, fun season two premiere, chapter nine, The Marshal, uh, DP, why don't you drop us, uh, why don't you help people drop us a line and find us, and then, then, and only then can we talk about the show. Make sure you guys are traveling to NerdCyclopedia.com where you see all our links to all our social media outlets on Facebook, um, Twitter, mm -hmm. um, Instagram, anywhere we're on social media, we're at NerdCyclopedia. Make sure that you are also emailing us for that feedback at um, um, nerds at NerdCyclopedia.com. Um, you are watching us on YouTube and on Facebook, so if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure that you're hitting that subscribe button, all right? Got it. And get that... Um, hit that notification mm -hmm. too so anytime we're on you know whatever we're on all right that's right that's right all right everybody so that's how we do it here uh we're gonna talk now uh just let's just jump in so i am super excited that we're back here in season two you know the pandemic has been long it has been a long long pandemic and i'm just so excited to get into this here you know we have a new member of the nerd cyclo family today so let's have a big nerd yeah, cyclo welcome for trenton trenton Welcome to the Nerd Crew. We're so glad to have you here with us today. Yeah, buddy. We're glad to have you talk. Trenton, before uh, you know, we start talking about the episode, we also want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to our enormous audience. We're a powerful group. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. So first of all, why, why do you like The Mandalorian? What is it about The Mandalorian you like the most? Well, first off, uh, I really appreciate you guys bringing me on. But uh, the big thing about this Mandalorian with me is it's really a chance for Disney, um, LucasArts, LucasFilms to kind of right the ship. Uh, I'm sure you guys and everybody's done our reviews on the last three films. It's been up and down. There's been some candid things. But uh, I think this is one thing we've noticed with this Mandalorian series moving forward that, um, you know, with Feige coming on board and Favreau and the guys, it seems as of right now that they're steadying the ship. And hopefully this is a sign of things to come with uh, Lucasfilm's, uh, the Disney merger, and, um, you know, the future of Star Wars looks semi-bright. I'm looking a little more uh, optimistic about these stories we're hearing about the new uh, Republic at some point. So this definitely looks looks uh, really surprising and really, really upbeat to me for the future of Star Wars. You know, it's really, awesome. it's really awesome, you know, Trent. And real quick, just because I know we've done a lot of media, so if you want some tape on us, easy to find. What is your uh, number one favorite Star Wars movie. Which of which of them is your number one? My favorite Star Wars movie is going to have to be Return of the Jedi. Okay. okay. Return of the okay. Jedi. Big fan of the Ewok battle. I like that. Can respect the people who are fans of Endor. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. All right. Well, well, we're glad to have you on board. Welcome so much. Thanks so much for joining us, taking the time out of your day to, to talk uh, Star Wars with us, the nerds, here on the Nerd Cyclopedia channel. Uh, okay. So... I want to discuss, uh, you know, something here as we begin, as we begin season two, as we begin chapter nine, we're treated to this, you know, one of these snippets of the Star Wars underworld 
that we get some really great looks at in Return of the Jedi, for instance, right? Uh, where we go to Jabba's palace. I, I love these little underworld scenes. Ken, what do you make of the of the Gamorrean fighting? What, what do you think about, about our, our little cold open for season two? I, a great way to open up uh, season two here. And by far, I was... I was locked and loaded from the from the first second. Um, I mean, Gamorrean guards and vibra axes, Come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, like like WWE style, yeah. <laughs> man. Because it just shows that everything has gone into. Uh, I mean, everything is back to primitive days where you know entertainment. We just wanted to see creatures kill each other i mean it was this is a great scene it goes back to the original feel of what yes Star Wars mm-hmm. was yeah yeah Actual in costumes like no special effects just two two people in a costume you know fighting in the crowd i mean legit like i even thought by the end of the episode i felt like if there was no other star wars film this was it. This was all we had. The Mandalorian, I'd be satisfied. I mean, this was really, really good, well played. Uh, I loved it from from the very first second to the last. So I like. I know that you like the grimy too. I love the grimy. Sam, you know what is what is it in DP about this open that sets the stage to you? For season two, what is it about that we see here that is so so excellent? Well, I mean, I, I think the overall overall vibe of the episode, especially like the opening here, you know, like Ken um, said, just throws us back to like that old, you know, Star Wars, uh, the New Hope feel. You know, we're getting like the um, a lot of you know, like you said, underground, uh, just deep grimy stuff um that you're not really seeing a whole bunch of special uh uh gloss over effects you're seeing a lot more you know practical effects you know in the whole sequence and everything mm-hmm. um and the whole feel of it is just fun you know what um you know what trenton was mentioning you know and um you know and up and down stuff in like the star wars movies and everything we weren't getting a lot of uh we were getting a lot of um yeah, we weren't getting as much fun as we are in these Mandalorian episodes. So that's what I really appreciate about the whole, you know, opening sequence. It continues everything that happened in the first season, and it sort of, you know, brings us back to um, in a square one in a way, but in a in a more of a you know fun way, and it sets the stage on. You know, we're still continuing like the episodic feel. You know, he's going traveling from you know sector to sector. You know, um, just just doing you know on his mission. So I, I, I like the fun of the whole thing. And, you know, for me, one thing that I really like about it is that, you know, we have these movies and this Skywalker saga that's all one certain thing. And it, it's very much the nobility of the galaxy. And one thing that I love about The Mandalorian so far is it's introduced sort of the real economy of life in the galaxy far, far away. We have crystals and credits and money and exchange and Beskar steel. And we have you know, fuel for some reason in Star Wars. This is a very real universe. And as as we discussed uh, on a lot of our shows, you know, when it comes to the soul of Star Wars, right? And I'm not about, I liked, you know, The Last Jedi. I'm not the type of person that poo-poos the newer movies. But the soul of Star Wars to me, you can find it in 1978. And that is, <laughs> that is the world we inhabit here. If you dropped, you know, we talked about it in the, uh, in the, um, the preview, if you dropped this Star Wars into, 
you know, 1978, and you said, look, this is Star Wars from now on, you would say, perfect, right? Seamless, yeah. And you wouldn't even really need the Jedi. You'd be like, Tatooine is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So let's talk. Let's talk about Tatooine here, guys. So who has so who has an opinion about about uh, Timothy Oliphant showing up in the middle of the Star Wars universe? Who's got a? Does anyone have a strong opinion about Raylan? <laughs> Raylan, Raylan Gibbons. Gibbons. Set, oh, my, my man! Just at all, man. Who's the, who yeah. has something to say about uh, about the gunslinging in the old uh, the old West and uh, the Outer Rim? Uh, anybody? Anybody want to weigh in on old old Tim? Perfect casting. <laughs> Literally, the last time I saw this guy was in Go. Mm-hmm. Right? Really? Really? Yeah, you haven't seen okay. him in anything since then? Nothing since then. And I thought, well, okay, so there's a young Timothy Oliphant, mm-hmm. and here's older, and very well done. I mean, I mean, he played, and and I don't mind him wearing my armor because the <laughs> <laughs> job. And he protected the town and used the armor for what it's for. Right. Protect himself <laughs> and his loved ones. Hey, so that's the way. I mean, say what you Man, want. This is the way. That is the way. Yeah. Mando didn't really appreciate that, you know, too much in the beginning, though. He he sort of warmed up to him. Cobb, I I, I like Cobb. I like Cobb a lot. Yeah. Um, a great character. And, 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 and you knew as soon as you, you know he walked on the scene, you knew that wasn't Boba Fett right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, is that size. Boba Fett's outfit, though? Is that his, like, you know, armor? It's like, okay, no, but that's, <laughs> that, that, that was not him. That was not him. Because the way he stands and everything, it's that classic Raylan Givens, Timothy Oliphant stance. You know, he's just super skinny, you know, um, <laughs> you know, has his hips to the side a little bit and everything, and, you know, but the way he pulls out his gun and stuff, you know, it's yeah. just some classic justified stuff. What do you think about there, Trenton? Yeah, I share some of the same thoughts of that. I mean, uh, the funniest thing is when you see him come in kind of the scene, you know, I was like, is is he starved, you know, from the side <laughs> I hit him? I mean, it's been, it's been a while, I know, but geez, yeah, the minute I seen it, it, you know, it threw you for a loop. And, um, you know, just another great callback, you know, what these guys are doing with production uh, the funny thing is, you know, this was supposed to be a little bit of the, you know, the sneak peek of the season, and you know, they they threw kind of the boba armor and and some things like that right off the bat. So once again, you know, it just seems like they're setting us up, and maybe it's just like the last season. You know, we started with a child early, and he kept on. It seems like this armor may be a little more vital to the season than we think, you know, and even in this first episode. So, you know, one thing I really liked was the whole. You know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, like the kid that ended up getting all stretched out. You know what I mean? The Mike TV. They talk about him in the book. He's like walking away. He looks all gang. That's what I was thinking when he when he had the armor on the first time. And, you know, one thing I really, really liked about this character's introduction is not just that he looked gangly, but that you couldn't get a good read on him right away. And, right. and one mm-hmm. thing that I appreciated a lot in this episode was how the writing sort of kept you on your toes as far as you know, is this Marshall on the up and up? The story we're hearing about his his um you know his escape, the story we're hearing about this conflict, is it legit or not, right? And the whole time I'm thinking, when is he gonna be, you know, double cross in Mando? And look, this is a pretty standard Western, honestly, yeah. right? Yeah. The man with no name rolls into town and to be quite frank, the ability to keep something like that feeling fresh 
in a Star Wars universe, so to put a a like general Hollywood trope on top of a you know science fiction trope and have it all come out good, I mean, is a real testament to the skill that's on display here. And to be quite frank, like like you were saying, Ken, you know, if this is all we get from Disney Star Wars. Is that okay for? I mean, because for me, I I think I might agree with you. I think this is definitely the cream, certainly of what we've gotten so far from Disney. W- wouldn't you agree, Ken? Absolutely. I mean, this is like the best combination of story, characters, um, plot, writing. I mean, everything. It's just all coming together. I mean, everything that they pulled, like Trenton said, like callbacks to the to the to the original films i mean the what did what did the marshal what was he riding <laughs> right <laughs> i mean come on yeah like, where did that come from Jeez. i feel like like tatooine at a certain point is kind of like gettysburg in pennsylvania where you can't you can't go like more than like 100 yards without tripping over some artifact or memorabilia that means <laughs> that would mean the world anywhere else but it's just like some you know some brick here you know what i mean that's just what Tatooine Here, is like. Here's here's a good question. Mm-hmm. So, um, besides the animated stuff, um, we haven't really gotten a lot of live action Star Wars. You know, like every couple years. You know, um, even before they started doing the um, the the recent trilogy, it's been years since you know we got like a lot of Star Wars. Are you guys liking like the week to week stuff now? Um, like seasoned? Do you like your Star Wars fed to you? um in 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 like bits and pieces or do you like it given to you all in one big chunk what do you think you guys what i'm saying what do you think would you rather would you rather get the weekly release like this where now we have basically like uh, two months where there's new star wars every single week or would you rather the old release cycle where it was three years and then you'd have a party for a week and everyone would be drunk and then the movie would come out like which would you which would you prefer personally Personally, I, I like these series, and, and to be honest, I think this is a, the future, even with the current climate of the movie industry. I mean, if you think about it, it's been, you know, it took two and a half years to make these uh, each episode with breaks in between. I mean, they're, they're banging these series out. There's more content. If you look at the hours in which each episode, I mean, episode one ran, what, 52 minutes? Mm-hmm. I mean, two, the first two episodes covers a movie. So yeah. we're getting way more content. The production is way less, so the cost of these series is, is costing way less than a movie would. I mean, and what it seems like, this is this is the way to go. I mean, we're getting way more content. It's more engaging, and that's the thing I've found, and I'm sure you guys have found. For this 50 minutes, uh, this I've been more engaged in this series than I have any Star Wars movie. For 50 minutes, it leaves me tasting wow. for that next episode, you know? Wow. So. It really wow. grabs you so much, and that's the thing I really like about this. So I don't know if it's the casting. I really, in my eyes, believe it's the Feige coming on board, and even you know Favreau and those guys, what they've done, and the producers. So yeah, I, I like this uh, the format. I hope it stays, you know, that way it is. Yeah, and you know, I just want to give a shout out here to what you know. We talk about, I talk about how this is Western all the time. I, it's like, you know, if, if I had a catchphrase on this show, it'd be, it's a Western, like that. Uh, but, but I, you know, my dad is into this show, right? Like, my dad watches The Mandalorian, <laughs> and he is not, you know, a super sci-fi guy, right? Like, it's just not, you know, his, his wheelhouse is not this sort of stuff. So, it's a real testament to the broadness 
of the appeal. And I think, you know, what we're realizing here is that at a certain point, Disney has enough money to make whatever the heck they want to show up on the screen, show up on the screen. And to see them sort of take the time to invest in the new, the new production cycle that this is going to do with the volume and the sort of way that's going to open up the ability to showcase these fantastical shows, things like Dune and this and other series at a lower price point. And that is going to open up storytelling possibilities that simply weren't there before. And in my opinion, what Disney needs to do from a, you know, if you want to talk about my philosophy of art, which we don't want to do that, because it is very boring. But Disney needs to be pushing these things. They need to be spending money on the proven commodities because what you need for a thing like Star Wars or Sherlock Holmes or, you know, those sorts of monolithic, iconic, you know, uh, literary figures, these literary genres, is you need something that can be a steward that has the money to produce its own product and also sweep the floor of the other stuff that's substandard. We're almost at a point where we're into the third generation of Star Wars here with three trilogies. We're rolling into the fourth. And at a certain point, when do when is this just when is this just a piece of, of world culture? And when is it not something that can be owned? You know what I mean? It's it's interesting to think about weird stuff like that, but not on this show. So we're gonna stop. Let's talk about the crate dragon. <laughs> the crate dragon rules. And uh <laughs> Oh yeah. That was awesome, awesome, awesome. I mean that, that that had me at the edge of my feet and everything. I mean, I'm like, will they defeat this thing? What is gonna happen? I love the way he, you know, the the creature was just under the sand. I I, I haven't seen anything like that and and I, 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 I'm I'm and it's a lot of sci-fi, but just to see something like that just crawl under the sand and just sort of the, the sand is sort of like water in a way you know it's it's like a, it was like an ocean like uh with different like fish coming and everything so the creature is under the sand just rolling through like a a, a little small city and it's making everyone afraid and it was just like what is this thing <laughs> you know and how are they going to um defeat that thing because it's just terrorizing yeah yep. uh trent what did you what is what do you think about the, the audacity the audacity to put a crate dragon in the first episode of season two. What? How does that strike you as far as, as like what you expect? Like, is, is your mind blown just by the spectacle of this thing? Uh, it really was. I mean, going into the first episode, I was kind of like on edge. I'm like, are they going to start out like a marathon or is it going to be a sprint? And I was like, it's probably going to be a sprint. They're going to hit it with a bunch of stuff and slow it down. But, I mean, once again, the pacing of the show, like, I was on edge from the start, and then the callbacks come, you see the dragon, and this, these Easter eggs, you know, the first thing I thought of was the original trilogy, and I, and I feel like they're doing a great job of, like you're saying, gathering the first generation fans, those second generations from the prequel, and even trying to throw in some later stuff, and even though that third trilogy, and it just, I mean, it, it just keeps grabbing me each time, I, I can't, I'm excited for the next episode, I can't wait till Friday, 3 a.m. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome. You, I, I, I love the way the um the um the Mandos just fly about too, you know, right. and, uh, with with the rockets and stuff. Man, I, I love seeing them fly because at first Mando wasn't really flying last season, um until we actually saw the other Mandalorians and then he got his rocket ship on the um thing at the end there. So I like that. Ken, what did you think about the crate dragon? What did you think about this whole 
idea that a crate dragon is is coming to our village and is going to eat all our our uh, wampas <laughs> or our whatever. What are they? <laughs> but, but what are they? Um, banthas, right? Banthas. Uh, banthas, yeah. banthas. So yeah, like like Trenton said, this pulled everything back from the original film because what did Obi Wan Kenobi? How did, how did he scare away the Tusken Raiders? Yep. With it, with the call of the crate dragon. And that's one. Then what, what else you got? Just just list them. What other? Because what else did the Sand people do that Obi Wan Kenobi said they do? They ran in single file to hide their numbers. Was the other thing that I was just like, I, look at this attention to detail. <laughs> they're doing it. That's and, your boy Dave Filoni. <laughs> yeah. and, and and just and just mentioning the Tusken Raiders. I mean, how cool was that to see them? see them communicating and then mando's just in there like i mean he's talking to them and man it it was so i really liked the crate dragon plus that was the that was the thing that formed the relationship between him and Cobb, Mm -hmm. right so now they're going to be the new group like i don't know if they're going to bring kara back i guess i've seen some snippets where she's there but here's the new Fab Four, right? So you got Mando, you got the Marshal, you got Kara, and the child. The child, the child. yeah. So child. now we need some stupid droid in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> just some funny droid to, you know, to lighten everything just, up. And you know, right? Just some dumb little astromech droid that they can like kick around and like solve the problem. R five? <laughs> How about that? Throw him Brr, in there. Make it go now, right? Brr. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, I I am I this is a great show and how you can tell it's a great show is that we're doing a you know we're doing this show this discussion about you know the most culturally relevant Star Wars media that there is and we haven't even really discussed anything that's going on with the most culturally relevant character in the Star Wars media which of course is the child and that's baby baby Yoda or the child as I think we you know Disney has sort of won this round in the in the nameology sort of <laughs> given in so the child is you know, it's mostly just a silent observer here, an observer of, yeah. of hunting, an observer of death, and and we do get one really great gag where it hits the own uh, where he hits the uh, his own uh, lockup button at the beginning. Um, other than that, a pretty quiet a pretty quiet week for the child. Although you'd imagine a force sensitive probably not super happy with all the death. Uh, I do want to call one thing out, and this is one of my favorite things about like just about star Wars is that you can have all this incredible photorealistic stuff in this, this, uh, this crate dragon. That's terrifying. It looks like it's out of, you know, it could be out of Dune or it could be out of Lord of the Rings or any of these, these things. And, yeah. and the, the Banthas still basically look like you took an elephant and like glued the face of Sweetums from the Muppets onto it. And they never really fixed <laughs> it. They just said, ah, this is what it looked like. And that, and that to me, is is the star is the sort of 1977 1978 ethos at play right because when you look at those yeah. old making of documentaries you know when they were putting stuff together they were you know what do they say they they uh, cannibalized a million battleship board games <laughs> or whatever to make the death star uh so star wars has always sort of been this this cutting edge you know lived in world and you know they're populating it with characters who are interesting and they're giving depth to things that happened in other media in ways that it is so good. And, you know, they're not forcing it like they did with the Dyson Solo 
or whatever. Well, what 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 I, what I think was happening here, I think I think the um because I think Dave Filoni he's he's along with the animated um shows a lot, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he's right. like an executive on there. Mm-hmm. So you got a really um dedicated person that's really really you know he was like a stooge under um um under um George Lucas. I mean a student, right? And, I mean a student. Yeah, you stooge. Because you said stooge, and that's awesome. <laughs> I did say stooge, did I? <laughs> he was a, a student under George Lucas. And he really understands the material. Yeah. You know, John Favreau does too, but Filoni, I mean, he really understands and he loves, you know, connecting the dots, you know, with that. He was able to do a lot of stuff in animation that you obviously can't do in like the movies and everything. So for, for them to be handed this project with The Mandalorian, they're able to expand this world out so much in a live action form that it's sort of like, you know, just a kid in a candy store to them. Animation in its in its best forms can only do so much because it's only so many people that's going to respect the animation is and it's mainly the Star Wars you know hardheads and everything the the the, the, the straight up nerds that are you know into um, Star Wars but the Mandalorian just expands like you was talking about um Hitch you were talking about your um you know um you, you said your um granddad well my granddad did uh, probably would have liked yeah. it. he was a big Western guy but my dad told me that he yeah, watched because yeah, he I'm asked sorry. me. He said, do you still do a podcast? And I said, mm-hmm. sometimes. So he, he gets a link now <laughs> when we do these. It's a fun time. Uh, before before we wrap up here, and there's, there's you know, uh, we're kind of, you know, we don't like to go too long on these shows just because it's we're trying to keep it fun and, and, and for the kids for the most part. You know, I want to ask this question, and this is a little, you know, I'll ask each of you guys this in turn, and we'll start with you, Ken. Who are you the most interested in seeing like who are you the most exciting excited to see of the season one characters that we haven't seen yet Hmm. like are you thinking like kara or like grief yeah kara i want to see her back because i felt like there was a you know there was going to be something going on between her and mando maybe but I mean, legit. They they're the fighters, and yeah. they're the yeah. ones that are going to bring out the the action. And if anything's yeah. be happening big, it's going to be brought on by those two. Um, so yeah, from from season one, Kara would be the the biggest one that I'd like to see. You know, back and and what what is she going to do? Uh, how is she going to develop the story? How is she going to help Mando get the child back to its people? Because mm-hmm. That's going to be the whole thrust of this this uh, you know this se- this uh, season. So Kara would be my my pick. Yes. And Trent, you know you're you're new uh, on the show, so so we'll ask you this: what what are you the most excited to see as far as you know what you've heard about the do you, like do you know anything as far as like what's going to come up or are you can you give us a, any inkling as far as what we haven't seen on the Mandalorian that we can expect that you're excited to hear, like to see or anything like that. Yeah. So, um, moving forward, the thing that I'm looking forward to see is as he travels to these planets, once again, we're going to get so many callbacks, but also we're the, the thing that these showrunners are doing is they're tying in characters from different avenues. So whether you're a young child or a younger person, you watch rebels, I believe there'll be some tie-ins there. I've heard and we've all heard the inklings of Ahsoka Tano and Rosario Dawson being her. I'm not, yeah. con- I don't, I don't have confirmed 
that she's in this season, but I know that she will be a character. And that's a hot button. I know in the trailer, um, everybody's seen the uh, person in the back, whether they're saying that's Sabine or whoever that is. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they tie these in. And, and I'll say one thing about these guys. They don't, they're a lot better than Marvel as far as what they let out. I mean, I had no clue that Boba was going to be in this, let alone in the first episode. Oh, yeah, buddy. You know, yeah. The fact that they've, somebody has leaked out that Rosario Dawson's Ahsoka Tano and they've announced it, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think they let that out for a reason. And I wouldn't be shocked if we don't see Ahsoka in this season. I'm, I really wouldn't be shocked if we don't see her. Because for them to let that out the bag, it leads you into something else, maybe a spinoff series or even, you know, they're already leaking season three promos. So it looks like we have another <laughs> one. Spin-off, so. We got like yeah, seven episodes of these left. Exactly. Season three. Could stuff. you imagine if someone, <laughs> if someone put out like a Return of the Jedi po- like posters before like the episode five came out? You'd be like, this is very confusing and I don't like any of it. I, I don't like any of this information I'm getting. Exactly. I, DP, you know, you, you know, we we've been doing these shows for for a minute, and uh, you know, this is our second go around with the Mandalorian, which I know we're all excited for here. What are you the most excited to see happen here on this show? I know, I know, like what what did you think? Well, let me ask you this: What did you think about the idea that Boba Fett's just kind of getting thrown into the mix here as an extra as an extra factor at the end of the episode? What is that? What do you think is going to go on there? What do you what are you excited to see about there? That was him at the end of the episode? Oh, yes. Well, that was... Well, we shouldn't be that specific, right? Because it could be Boba Fett or any of the billion or so clones of... <laughs> of, uh, okay. Of okay. Because that was going to be the next question. Okay. You know, who was that at the end with the bald head and everything? So we... Okay. What, have Hold up. Okay. So you guys are really confusing me. So... I'm not the... Um, I, I'm, I'm catching up on my Star mm-hmm. Wars lore and everything. Who was that at the end? So the idea here is we don't know for sure, but the last time Boba Fett was spotted was on Tatooine, and that looks like suspiciously familiar armor, in my opinion. Uh So I think they're leading us in a certain direction. Uh, That's my guess, anyway. That actor, that's Tamara Morrison, who was Django Fett. Yeah, that's him. So it's either Boba or one of the clone troopers or something like that. Right. Uh Right. Gotcha. So Django Fett would, I mean, Boba Fett would look like Django Fett, exactly. father and son. And he wouldn't have, he and, wouldn't have died in three years. So yeah, would have lasted. You know, I'm gonna use. That's a crazy, awesome callback. Right it's there. wild, isn't it? It's so dense, like Trent was saying. Like it's ridiculous. You know, I'm gonna use my time here to do something a little different than what everyone else did because I made them do other stuff. Uh, I'm gonna use my time to beg for something, and that is Disney. Please, please make an X-Wing series and use this technology that you've created for Mandalorian to make it. I don't care what it costs. And look, I've given you a lot of money and between you and me, Disney, it's going to be a lot more. So please, please, please make more stuff like this, spin it off, show me rogue squadron, show me race squadron, and I will continue to show you the money. And look, this is not a threat. I'll do it anyway. So let's not get this. Don't get messed up. All right. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens with the child. To see if maybe uh, you know over the next fifty years or so, as we move forward in Star Wars, if it you know achieves uh, you know uh, adulthood, and we can see it turn into a Padawan for two centuries or so. Somehow. And that's the thing about this show too, because it doesn't have to really all be about the child. That's just his mission right there. I know, right? You know, 
so much, you know, to explore and everything. Even if he delivers a child and, you know, he has to go about his way, mm-hmm. it's still so much other stuff to, to mine and everything, you know. The child is just like an inroads to get, like, everybody into it. But, you know, it's it's really all about what Mando's up to and what he's doing and who he encounters and, you know, all the fun people we see along, you know, uh, on the, on this ride and everything. So this this is like, you know, Trent and Ken and, you know, you guys say this, this it's just such a fun show. This is such a great um even if you're not the biggest star wars fan you know what i'm saying this is something that you can actually get into and appreciate it's a real great entry point and you know we're if you've decided to use this as an entry point for nerdcyclopedia you should feel free to check us out at our website nerdcyclopedia.com or check just click subscribe up above here on youtube that's free don't cost you nothing to do that uh before we go we just want to welcome you guys back next week for chapter 10 we'll be here again probably saturday night doing the live broadcast dropping the podcast in your inbox sunday so you'll have it for the uh, water cooler discussion that i'm sure i guess we're having <laughs> in 2020 uh final thoughts anybody else got anything else they want to say anyone anything else they want to promote anything like that i'll drop one more tidbit uh if you don't yeah, guys yeah, mind ahead, and man. the interest yeah the interesting thing that a lot of people aren't catching is remember at this time frame there is only one confirmed Force user and Jedi, and that's Luke Skywalker, based on the time frame we're at. So the interesting part is the fact that they're trying to reunite him with his people. Maybe we'll see some other Jedi that we have not heard about or, you know, some other even Force sensitive. So that's the thing that, you know, kind of, you know, tinkles my eye a little bit is who actually is left after, you know, you know, the final battle and, and who survived other than Luke, because as of now, he's the only Jedi left. That's right, and we know that Luke is going to have an academy, and we know that Ben is going to murder everybody there. It's almost going to be terrifying to see who goes <laughs> goes to the academy wherever they have that. Uh, guys, this has been Carbonite Bounty BS, the show where we talk about the Mandalorian. For the rest of the nerds, I'm Hitch, and remember, listening to the podcast and clicking subscribe, this is the way. This is the way. All right, we'll see you guys soon. We have spoken. Nerdcyclopedia.